So our last speakers of the night are three individuals who will be talking about entrepreneurship and their creative journey. First off, we have Justin over here. Um, Justin has over 500,000 subscribers on YouTube because he just gives some epic um, Adobe program tutorials. He's also a creative entrepreneur, a podcaster, so he's just an overall awesome human. Um, and then over here we have Michelle. She is the founder and creative director at The Uprising Brand, um, which is a premium quality clothing brand focused on quality material and minimalistic design. Um, and it's actually based in Compton, so locally. And then we have Brian, a.k.a. Schmood. Um, he's an artist, a designer, and a YouTube creator with over 260,000 YouTube uh, subscribers because of his awesome original style and legendary DIY videos. Uh, he makes embroidery, patchwork pins, rings, apparel, like a whole bunch of stuff, really cool stuff. So um, I'm going to go ahead and ask him some questions. Um, and I'm going to start off with Michelle. Um, hey, everyone. <laughs> so, uh, Michelle, can you share your background story and what inspired um, founding Uprising? Absolutely. Um, so I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, I think it's a question I get all the time. They're like, wow, you're, you're such a unicorn. And I'm like, oh, that's a really interesting like, way to describe a native LA folk. But um, grew up in, was born and raised in Culver City. Um, and growing up for about 15 years, I was a competitive figure skater. So I was like, I'm gonna be the next Michelle Kwan, I'm gonna go to the Olympics, and that is gonna be my destiny. Um, when I was in high school, I woke up one, one morning and I just like couldn't stand on my right leg. Um, and so after going to several different doctors, it ended up being like, hey, you gotta get hip surgery, and your competitive like career path is no longer a thing. So from that point on, I was like, shoot, like what am I gonna do now? Because I thought I was gonna be the next Michelle Kwan. Um, and so I decided to go into graphic design. Um, and so I studied that in high school, studied that in college. And then after graduation, um, growing up in a very Japanese American household, my mom is a first generation from um, pretty close to Tokyo. And um, my dad was a third generation Japanese American, grew up also in Los Angeles. Um, they instilled this idea of, of okay, you're gonna you know, get a corporate job, you're gonna be there for 25 years, you are going to like move up from the ranks. Um, and after graduation, I was like, okay, I feel like I need to, you know, at least appease them for a little bit. So I <laughs> I ended up working for um, a, a big fashion company within their creative services department, redesigning their um, one of their lines. And then um, the fashion world is insane. It's a crazy, crazy world. But I was like, you know what? I think I'm also gonna explore a different avenue. So then I went into music, entertainment, worked for things like Coachella, rebranding their kind of stuff. And um, during that whole process, like that corporate world, I was like, I, I felt this disconnect from, from the consumers and then the company as a whole. And during that time, I, I decided to explore different avenues. So I was, I was beginning to do freelance work, and then I opened up my own e-com shop, which um, sold Japanese-inspired goods. Um, and during that time, a investor approached me um, and he really liked what I did with the brand that I was running, and then he was like, I want to, I want you to start. 
something under my belt. Um, and I mean, I was so taken aback by it. I, it was like a dream, but I was so, so scared to tell my parents about it. Um, I thought they, they were gonna say, Michelle, you're crazy. <laughs> um, and it took me about a month or so to really like sit them down and tell them like, I think I'm gonna quit my job and just take this risk. So um, I, I talked to my dad about it and it was really, really surprising because he was like, do it quit tomorrow and we will just figure it out along the way. Um, so that's the beginning of how everything started. That's awesome, so um, thank you for that. So if you guys wanna check out later when we have a break, um, she does have some clothing items in the back and then she also set up a photo booth. Um, so I'm gonna ask Justin a question next. Um, can you share a bit about your background and how you got into uh, tutorials for photo and video editing? Sure, hi everyone. Um, so, I feel stupid saying my intro, but hi, my name is Justin Abisho. Yeah. <laughs> That's my intro on YouTube. Um, I, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, so East Coast on, over here. Uh, I'm 26 years old, so as you 90, 90s kids know, I was born in 1992. I'm giving you guys my whole history, but uh, the true 90s kids era is like from 91 to like 96. Everyone else, it doesn't count, sorry. Um, <laughs> And so, as you know, that's when the internet was just starting to get popular, and I kind of guess I was raised, I grew alongside, right, right alongside the internet, and so I was always, um, I was always on computers, I liked playing video games and stuff, and, and hanging out on the internet and all these different websites, and uh, I remember my brother, for some reason, my older brother had gotten a copy of uh, Adobe After Effects. I don't know why, and he made some like swirling firework with his name on it, and I was like, I want a swirling firework with my name on it too. <laughs> so I started uh, playing around with those, playing around with those programs, making cool things, and also um, whenever you're, back in the day before Instagram and Twitter, whenever you're hanging out on these forums, you had to have a cool picture under your name, so you know, you had to make a cool picture. So I was always in these programs, uh, I eventually, it just turned into a pretty big hobby of mine, like just creating graphics and digital art, and and uh, I accidentally learned all these programs by making these little pictures when I was like 14, 15, 16. So that's kind of how I started in the hobby. Awesome, okay. So I actually have bookmarked a lot of your tutorials and I'm currently learning from you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, Brian, a question for you next. Can you share your background story and how you got into art and screen printing and making YouTube videos as well? Sure. Um, so it was in high school and me and my buddy were like, let's make a brand, let's make something super cool. And so we did and it like didn't work. We like made shirts and like everything like fell apart. And so we're like, okay, we gotta figure out how to make something that's like quality or that's we're not gonna last. And that morphed into like him learning how to screen print, going to work for a screen print um, company. And from there, it's kind of like, we just kept running into problems. And with each problem, uh, the solution was just learn how to do it yourself. And so that's what we did. It's been quite a long time. No, so after that, um, 
I, I learned a lot of stuff. It's crazy how like one thing ties into another. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm, I'm making all these things and like I'm gonna do it, I might as well film it. And so that's kind of where YouTube came in. And I did my first video um, with the thoughts of like, I'll show off my art and get my art out there, another platform to show my art. And what it was was um, I had my ex-girlfriend at the time. We had like a water balloon filled with uh, paint. I'm like, just throw it at my face, but make sure like it pops. And so I'm like, throw it hard. I'm like, I was expecting it to like, as hard as she could. Hit me in the eye. And I just like pink, it was pink, it was pink paint, and just pink in my eye. So it was just pink all over. And I remember thinking, um, ow, ow, shit, ow, shit, it's really bad. And uh, no, I thought that was um, uh, like better than having to work at a nine to five. <laughs> so that's what happened. So clearly the pain was worth it. So uh, Michelle, so the products that you built, the products that you built um, are long lasting. They have long lasting design. They're made with cut edging, uh, cut edging edge technology. So can you just share more about you know your designs and the technology behind it all? Absolutely. Um, so. The, we make everything in-house. So our facilities are based in Compton, California. I don't know if you guys know Drifters out there, Bella Blinks is out there. Um, it's kind of like the second home for fashion these days, um, besides Vernon. And um, you know, my two business partners, are they own the two facilities. So we make everything from raw fabrics to the dye house to the cut and sew process, and then the printing, packaging, warehousing, shipping. A lot, sorry. <laughs> and uh, the the we wanted to have one focus for uprising, and the word uprising comes from like pushing boundaries, creating a community um, to empower and uplift one another. So it's like, what can our fabric be to do the same? And it's called moisture wicking. Um, I'm not sure if anyone's familiar with that product, but it's used in athletic wear. Um, and so what it does is it absorbs your sweat and releases it um, so that you can stay fresh all day long. Um, but with athletic wear, it kind of has that shiny material. So we developed it in your everyday cotton. So you can wear um, this technology all day long and you know you can go to dinner, you can go to your lunch meetings, you can party in it, I guess. And um, so it's, it's something that isn't really out yet. I think Uniqlo just came out with their basic tees that have moisture wicking as well. Um, but I do want to say in about three to five years, like everything that we wear is going to have some sort of thing tied to it. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, you won't stink. <laughs> Good to know. Um, so Justin, um, what do you think is important for creators in the industry to know and what's an important trait to have to be successful? Sure. So I've had to learn a lot. I mean, when I left off that story, that's how I got into the hobby. But then from just having a hobby to turning that into this business over the past like 10 years, um, I've had to learn a lot of stuff that is not anywhere, anything you'll find in a book or anything that someone will tell you. So there's a few things I think are really important for any creator nowadays to have. Um, one of them is, uh, I'll say confidence, but or belief in, in what you're doing because nobody is, nobody is going to tell you 
exactly that. Yeah, you can do this thing. There, like you can post videos on the internet, and it'll work for you. Well, nowadays people are going to tell you, but who knows what the next thing's going to be? There's something inside of each one of you that you're passionate about, that you're that you do it in your free time. Like whenever you can, you do that thing. Just think about what that is for you, and just know that you can turn that into a living or in, into your career because when I was like growing up I had all this fun stuff that I used to do like oh yeah look, like making these graphics and designs and whatever but then I had for some reason I had divided it in my brain like but then I have college and then I'm gonna get a cool desk job and I have to get an IT job and get my IT degree and I don't know why nobody ever told me yeah you can you can make a living out of this thing though so just have that confidence, I guess, or belief um, that 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 you can follow that, and that consistency and, and authenticity between what you like to do and what you can do for a living. That's cool. You're obviously making your uh, dreams come true. So uh, next, Brian, um, what is the best and like toughest part about making a living online, and like what's a misconception about um, like people tell you what what you do, like people have um, had about what you do. Um, so best and worst about making women online, for me, it's kind of like the same thing. For making women online is is that I'm like my own boss. So that's like the best part, because like I don't have to like go through other people to see like what's gonna work or like what I want. It's just me, and I can put out like my own ideas and and work my own hours. But that's also a bad thing because I work my own hours and it ends up being like like two in the morning till six in the morning, I'm like just dead. And like, so that's like probably the best and the worst is I'm my own boss. Um, a misconception of what I do. I, I don't know, uh, I feel like people who ask what I do are usually like my mom's friends. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my mom's like my biggest fan, so she like has it nailed down to the teacher. She's like, Brian does this and this and this, he's the best. You should go follow him, subscribe, ash mood. So. Moms are the number one fan, that's awesome. <laughs> so, um, Michelle, um, Uprising recently launched American Made, and as I mentioned earlier, they have a photo booth, um, so it's part of the campaign. Can you share more about that and what inspired the movement? So, um, when I was coming up with the concept of Uprising, I wanted to be more than just a clothing brand. I wanted to be something where I can connect with our community and friends and family and whatnot. Um, and so the underlying message be behind Uprising is to have these social movements that we can, you know, be like, hey, like, you all have a voice. There's social media these days. We can hear you. Like, let's also bring that message and wear it and own it. Um, and so the first push was um, this thing called American Made. Um, we officially launched the brand with this campaign where we photographed over 600 people across the country um, in this one shirt, one message, and it's to celebrate diversity. Um, and there's three, three messages behind this. It is one for people who are born and raised in America, who are living their dreams, doing you guys, you know. I think um, Indy and Tristan really like honed in on the idea of like you guys have your own destiny. You know, you guys can do whatever you want to make things happen. 
Um, the second one is for people who immigrated into the United States to, you know, have a better life, to live their dreams, whatnot. And then the third one is we do make everything here in LA, in the United States. Um, and so on the day of our launch, which was May 2nd, a few months ago, um, at all 600 people posted at the same time, um, and some people really opened up and shared their individual stories, which was awesome. Um, so yeah, we're continuing with that campaign. We also have you know female empowerment, girls supporting girls, um, and the overall uprising message. Awesome, that's really inspiring. So I'm gonna um, end this with one more question for each of you guys. Um, so for Justin, um, What's a challenge that you've experienced in your field that you've had to overcome? The biggest challenge that I've experienced in my field is breaking through to that point where you're making stuff and you're making stuff and you're posting stuff, but it's like nobody cares or nobody's watching and you're just, it's, you can't find the floor under you to, to feel so. It, it's very, very hard to keep going if, if you don't know if it's ever going to pay off. So that's where you need to have an extreme level of faith and confidence. And uh, when, I, when I was trying to break through, I would, I would go home. I was going to school. I was working retail. That's how I tie into fashion here, too. I worked retail for three years, so I know how it's like. <laughs> um, but... Uh, I would come home and I would make a video every single day and I'd post a video every single day and and when you don't get the, the feedback that that you want, sometimes it can be disheartening. But I would say just have there's always gonna be doubt. Even today I have every day or every week doubt will creep in. But you have to just kill that right away and just have confidence that it will um, go your way as long as you work hard at it are consistent, you, you research, you study, you really put in the work, it'll happen faster than you think. So just that, that breaking through point and not knowing whether it was gonna work at first was the most uh, uncertain point of, of my life, especially because at a certain point I quit my job. And then you know you're getting older and then people are like, well, what do you do? And, and I'm like, I make videos and blah, blah, and they're like, oh. And you feel like everyone's judging you. But nowadays, I can, I feel a lot more comfortable. And uh, if I could look back, uh, I could see that that fear was uh, maybe a necessary motivation, but I never needed to be uh, uncomfortable about it. Awesome, that really spoke to me. <laughs> so uh, for Brian next, um, when things get tough at the end of the day, when things get tough at the end of the day, what keeps you going uh, and continue to do what you're doing? Caffeine. That's all you need. Um, what helps me keep going? Uh, like as a like motivation. What motivates okay. you to keep going? So a lot of times, I guess, like I'll see something. That I'm like, that's super cool. I want to do something cool too. So really it'd be other people are really like that motivation for me. I love it. People. Like you guys, everyone makes something so cool. And it doesn't have to be necessarily uh, like something that relates to me. Like, like say I'm making a patch, I need to see someone make a really cool patch. I feel like I take a lot from like movies or like 
uh, for, I guess a lot of visual art stuff. You see people like doing something really cool, or even if they're just like successful, it really motivates me to keep going and know that like there is like an end or I will be able to like, well yeah, there is like an end to like either this project or to like my main goal, which is to, to do this for a living, so. I love that for you, it's like about um, community and like getting inspired by other people and not so much like competing or comparing yourself to others. Yeah, for so sure. That's great. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys one last question, actually. I'm going to have you guys all answer it. But um, so like what's next? Like what do you guys have planned the rest of the year? Um, what's your ultimate goal? Like is there anything exciting that you guys want to share with the, with the crowd? In unison. <laughs> all together. <laughs> one at a time. Go first. Um, I, yeah, I'm at like a weird point in my life where I'm not sure where I want to live, you know, maybe move here, maybe, I don't know. But I'm working on a ton of cool projects. Uh, I, I started a podcast and I'm 25 episodes in and I just, I have some itching ideas about that, so we'll see. Uh, but I just want to continue to share and like create what I enjoy doing, share that be able to do that for a living and uh, hopefully help support the people I love, like my friends and family, and also be a good example for anybody who needs an example that is that looks like me. So <laughs> I don't know. I can't be the example for everybody, but if you need an example of someone like me, I hope I can be that for you. You're it. Thank you. Um, for Uprising, we are continuing to do these types of pop-ups, which are really, really fun, and thank you, Ash, for having me here. Um, we have, I told myself before we launched this brand that if I can ever make it out to Japan and have like a storefront pop-up in Tokyo, whatnot, that will like, I'm good to go, like I can go like live in a forest or something. Um, but what's really exciting is that that is actually going to happen in November. So we will be out in Tokyo. Thank you. Um, it's actually a really cool event. It's like a third anniversary for all these female DJ artists in Tokyo and Los Angeles. So they like tour around and it's like their celebration. They want us out there. So that's going to happen in November. Um, I'm going to have a month-long pop-up in Little Tokyo here in downtown. So come check it out. And then um, I think my ultimate goal is to have an opportunity to build like a creative reuse space. So any type of creative industry can come here and create and be innovators and let's let's figure out the new wave or path or whatever. <laughs> so that's that. Congrats, by the way, for the Japan Um, For me, like the next thing I'll do or a big goal, I, I guess I don't really work very well with like, not goals, but like looking to the future because I think it scares me a little bit. So basically what I'm gonna do is, is try to just do everything a little bit better. And that's what I do with the videos and a lot of the crafts that I try to just make something a little bit better than last. Um, so that's what I'm going to do. I, I saw I have a bunch of uh, DIY crafts that I have kind of on the back burner that I'm going to come try to do again. And yeah, it should be fun with some videos. Maybe start vlogging, but I, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> I think you should totally start vlogging, by the way. We'll see. Your videos are good. All of you guys, well, your videos, your videos. <laughs> you actually started making videos. You have a YouTube channel. 
by the way, so you guys should check them all out. Uh, but thanks so much for giving us the time and answering all these questions, and um, these are just such inspirational people, uh, so give them a round of applause. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, so we're gonna, oh, oh, Q&A, right, oh, okay, perfect, that works. I guess we're gonna, here, I'm gonna give you guys the mic, and we'll do the same thing. So does anybody have any questions? Uh, perfect. Do I call them out, or do you have the mic? She's going to take it. Yeah, here you go. Hi. Oh. Um, can I not? Like boost your page or your post. 
they might know somebody. So just like be open. Yeah, go ahead. So how would you follow up with that? Like how would you message them or get in contact with them to try and get from point A to point B? I mean, it's it's a lot of time with that for, it's not, it's like you have to cast a wide net. It'll try to hit a lot of people. And it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But mostly it's just like, like that's not the only way. I feel like all people, they've answered like it perfectly. Just a little tidbit. There's actually a really cool tool um, if you are going to use like emails, um, contacting people um, over the internet. Um, there is this tool called Yam. Yam. Yeah. Like Y A M M. And if you compile a whole list of like emails of like influencers. Um, Storefronts. I'm not really sure what, what who you're trying to target, but if you have a whole list of that um, and you curate a very like personalized email, it actually sends it all to, and you can see who opens it, clicked it, responded to you. So that's a really good way to keep track of like who you contacted and like you know. I think that's a good tool. Can I quickly follow just to make this like just to really answer your question. We're not gonna stop. We're just gonna <laughs> You said like how do you follow up those relationships? Yeah. Um, sometimes I've found like you never know where people will be in a year. There's so many. I can look around right now and see a couple people that I've known them for like a year or so or two. Just like just they just message me like, hey, like your video is cool, and I was like, oh, cool, dope. And they're like, oh, I'm a photographer, I live in NYC, whatever. You just know each other, and then like maybe a year later, randomly. Uh, yeah, like, oh, like just yesterday, the other day, there's Kirk back there, shout out to Kirk. <laughs> just yesterday, I, I randomly, I needed someone to help me with a laptop editing something last minute because I was here in LA, I didn't have anything. And uh, I had known Kirk, we didn't ask anything of each other, we just like kind of know each other. And I was like, who can I, oh yeah, Kirk's here, go, let's work on this project. We linked up, we did a whole bunch of cool stuff, we met some other people, so you just, just think, um, longer term, I guess, or just understand that like, you just never know where it'll go. So just be, just be open, I guess. Okay, now we're done with your question. All right, we have another question here. So. Hi guys, I'm Jennifer. Um, so I know that being an artist or a creator, you tend to get into like a rut or you go through like struggles. Um, and you can't really produce anything creatively. So what would you guys suggest like ways to get out of that? Or do you have methods that help you cope with those moments of like space where or time where you guys can't create anything? Right, it's like like a, a writer's block, right? Um, I mean there's a lot of methods. Sometimes I have to just like sit and do nothing or like watch something. Um, but like on the flip side other times if I just like start working at something better than like being stagnant and not being bored. So if I just like don't want to draw next, I'll just like force myself to draw. And, like yeah, I might turn out like garbage or it might not be exactly what I want, but eventually I like, usually get to like the idea or or the angle that, that, that I want. So uh, for me it's staying up as late as possible. Uh, I feel like I'm the most creative when I'm like half delusional. So um, I'll do all like my responsible like tasks for uprising and then late at night I'm like, 
which would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, a more productive way, I feel like, would be going to events and um, really taking yourself out of like the usual like scenario that you're in, um, just exploring and like let your mind be open to taking in all sorts of stuff. I mean, I think I was in Austin when I came up with the name Uprising. So. <laughs> the question was like, how do you go over creative block and rocks, right? Okay. Um, I think there's two things that you can do practically to help. One, just like Michelle said, uh, you can't like when you're creating something that's like output, you're putting something out. So sometimes you, if you don't have anything to put out, then take a moment to like take stuff in. So go for a walk and take stuff in, or watch a film, or read a book, or go meet some people, or go travel somewhere new, and then you'll take in all these new experiences and things, and I'm sure then you'll, once you sit back down to create, you'll have more to draw on. Um, the other thing uh, that uh, maybe a lot of people might not want to like do all the time is sometimes you just have to sit down and, and be like, all right, from, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. today, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna write. Um, I'm just gonna, or like just, okay, that's a, those are very long hours. Okay, let's say like, from one o'clock to three o'clock, I'm just gonna sit down and write. And that's, that's more so if you're trying to like build a business. Sometimes you don't always have the luxury of only creating when you feel inspired. And it's almost like a muscle too. If you do it every day, you'll magically start to get better at it. If you always wait till you're only until you're inspired, um, you might not be as productive as you think. And you, you might be more capable than you think if you just sit down and train the muscle. So uh, a little bit of discipline plus a little bit of um, experiences. So, yeah. I had a question over here and then I'll pass Alright, so So how how often do you guys post and also uh, like how late is too late to post? Like like some like with so like I'm a saber blogger and like I went through that struggle of like having a like mentally going kind of crazy of trying to post like once a week or like twice a week and then just saying okay, forget all that, like just focus on quality, I appreciate it. Two weeks is fine, and then I go back to saying, yeah, one week is like really good because of the game mark. What is your opinion, opinion on you know consistency and also uh, yeah, it's two weeks too late? For um, the tough question because I think every social media platform is so different and it depends on like where your niche is. So at least for Uprising, like Instagram, we're posting every single day. Before we launched, we were posting twice a day. Um, and, uh, you know, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all of that, we, we kind of only utilize those things when um, there's good content to be released, because you also don't want to put out something that is not up to par. Um, you always want to stay consistent with, like, the quality of your work. Um, but, I mean, that's it for the brand. YouTube though, um, we post every Thursday and it just talks about like behind the scenes of what it takes to like build up uprising. Um, but I feel like you guys. No, so really a lot of asking for your audience. Um, 
for me, like, so on YouTube, I, most of it's here in the US, but there are some, like, a big popularity, like, out somewhere else. So I'm not going to be going to post them in their sleep, per se. Uh, but also, I don't really have a schedule. I do think, for me at least, it's been more important to put quality content out rather than, like, consistent. And that's really helped me to have um, kept, like, the brand strong. Because a lot of times people will be viewing your, your video or your project or whatever for the first time, and the first impression is they'll mean a lot. And so if you always be on quality content rather than focusing on like um, wind and uh, like how frequently, I feel like you'll have more success that way. So. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, it's impossible to, to like, there's no one right answer for when's the best time to post and how often to post. There's just kind of guidelines and principles. So uh, on one hand, like just being consistent is important. So if you do post once a week, then do that for like a hundred days in a, or a hundred weeks in a row, and I think you'll find it better because if, if you don't show up consistently, it might be hard for an audience to and then, I also think it's, diff it's different when you're just first trying to break through versus when you've kind of broken through a little bit and now you can have a little more freedom. I think when you're first trying to break through, you need to try a lot of different things and, and see what's working. But like when you're first trying to break through, unless, you, unless, you make, unless you're just really, really good and you're like, this one's going to go viral, I know it then you might have to make like a dozen videos before you see one starts working a little bit. And then you reiterate on that and you're like, all right, well, what made that one or two videos do really good? And then you make more like that and just try to be consistent with it. Ask yourself, are you, are you working as hard as you can? That's one thing I had to ask myself. I was posting like two or three videos a week and I'm like, is this really, and it wasn't working. And then I just asked myself honestly, is this the hardest I can be working, or am I like? Is there like six hours that I'm watching YouTube or doing something else? And I was like, no, I can work a little bit harder. So it's it's a mix of quality and quantity, but try to try to put your best effort forward as often as possible. Um, and just also for all the perfectionists out there, just remember people aren't. It's better to have it out, like, overall pretty good rather than never put it out just to get it like that 2% better and never put it out. Do the best that you can. Sometimes setting a deadline helps. So hopefully that helps a little bit think about it. Awesome. So we're going to end the Q&A here, but um, you guys will have a chance to mingle with them. They're going to be hanging out. Um, but before, so you guys can, you know, Give us a big round of applause. Um, so thank you guys for your time.